Chapter 18. Crisis or Opportunity? Strategic Options for Getting to the Future. The digital endgame is tricky for a legacy firm. What should we look like when we are done? Do we emulate our digital competitor? Do we aggregate several startups? Do we build a new business next to us and then shut down the old? Do we rebuild the old from scratch while we're running the same business? Is it a bolt-on or a forklift upgrade? Or is it all of the above? Firms do tend to choose from a slowly escalating set of options, depending on the urgency of the disruption in the industry. It is no different to fighting different types of wars. The approach to a small insurgency in a distant, non-strategic territory is quite different to a large-scale invasion aimed at your heartland, or where you are launching a large-scale invasion into another country. A small volunteer permanent force is fine for a country that is not at war, but mandatory military service and conscription is imperative for more extensive campaigns. And when you are being invaded, well, it's all hands on deck, and even women and children are thrown into the battle, as the Nazis did in the final weeks prior to the fall of Berlin. It is rare indeed for a nation to launch a major assault to defend a non-strategic distant outpost, as Britain did in the Falklands in the 1980s. These are examples of chairman's ego. Something done with an investment very large, very far from the core business of the company, or the country. Many countries have been at a state of war for decades, as in North and South Korea and Iran and Iraq, as well as India and Pakistan. Shots are fired, defenses go up, propaganda is disseminated, and a hot war that was never ended turns into a cold or lukewarm one that most citizens eventually forget about, and peaceful but uncomfortable coexistence ensues, as has happened in the music industry between the large labels and the music streaming apps and artists. An uneasy truce for now until an opportunity to disrupt and attack again arises. Many firms are sitting in this homeland security style medium level of heightened alert. The options for your endgame are dependent on two factors, namely the type of insurgency that you are facing and how visionary and bold your leadership and investors are. How brave and how big is your endgame, for example? The more severe the attacks, obviously the more radical will be the approach adopted and in terms of getting to the future faster. The faster the rate of change, the more likely that your plan will be deeper and more radical. And the more visionary and bold the owners and operators of the business are, the more likely that the firm will attempt to get ahead of the wave. What are these options? Option A is crisis what crisis? Do nothing or continue doing what we are now engaged in, but do it faster. Option B, the trend is your friend. It's exactly as for option A, but with more inclusion of newer technologies and with some startup engagement and a new startup fund. Option C, us and them. Launch a cannibalistic startup play alongside the legacy firm in a separate operating entity while driving a slower transformation of the core business. Option D. Changing ships. Run the legacy business for cash with very minor tweaks and move all investments into newer businesses in adjacencies. Crisis what crisis, that is option A, is not viable long term as it merely sustains the current strategy that we already embarked on and that is clearly not working. It might be the most dangerous cause of action unless you're in an industry where very little disruption is occurring anyway. But it's a very politically acceptable option for many firms. It's a safe option as it does not bet the farm and it creates a change program that everyone is already used to. Perhaps there is a new name and greater executive focus. All that this has served to do is lull the firms and all their stakeholders, except their clients, into a false sense of complacency. The most selected option in practice is B. The trend is your friend. This involves running the existing business while changes are made to all aspects of it and to launch a few adjacent initiatives. These are often sold into the organization by hyper-smart, inexperienced and suave overpaid consultants or your own staff with similar attributes who've just returned from famous business schools or seminars. 
in a sense doing what you and other players have always done, but trying to do it faster, in the hope that it cuts the gap. Basically following the hype cycle. It hopefully creates a linear and incremental transition that does not excessively cannibalize the revenues during the journey. This does not expose the XCO to great risk, and it creates a sustainable journey that the board and investors are more likely to support. The reality is that this approach has not yielded the desired dividend. Anyway, very few legacy firms, as noted, have produced exponential growth with dramatic cost reductions and great improvements in customer service simultaneously. Us and them, in option C, is an exciting opportunity to start a new disruptive business adjacent to your existing business by taking your smartest young digital talent and letting them loose on a new business opportunity, like legacy banks starting digital banks outside with new names, or Telco starting an MVNO outside the core business and their new brand, uh, as Telefonica has done with 20, for example. There are almost no examples of the strategy having ever worked. The most likely scenario is that the new startup generates a lot of resentment and animosity and is starved of resources and access to markets and technology by the legacy business, and the longer that it develops its business, the more cash it's burning, as it remains subscale until finally the political will to continue the venture is lost and the firm is rolled back into the core business anyway, shut down or sold off. Changing ships in option D is rare indeed as it is a very high-risk venture, basically involving the placing of big bets that risk the entire firm. Basically, a firm reaches a realization that any money spent adapting the existing business will be wasted and ineffectual, so they look beyond the perimeter for something better. Like Boeing and IBM, who invested a third of the value of the firm to develop their next generation 747 or System 360, respectively. Or MTN in Africa, who twice in their history invested a third of the value of the firm into a single expansionist venture. But these are firms who betted big and remained in their original line of business. What about firms moving into completely different lines of business? Nokia started in forestry and paper and rubber boots. Toyota made textile looms and GE's first product was a light bulb. They all clearly migrated to more profitable businesses over time. 3M stands for Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing and now has over 60,000 products in over a dozen industries, none of which is iron mining. Lonro Platinum Mines started out as London and Rhodesian Ranching Company, which is where the name is derived from. This all looks like bold genius after the fact, but often it was the subject of circumstance or sheer accident, often occurring more by necessity and tactics than design, opportunistic rather than visionary. More recently, Nasper started in paper-based publishing in South Africa, the word is derived from Nationale Pers, which is Afrikaans for national press. And basically, they were a printing company, printing newspapers and magazines. They ended up owning a third of the Chinese version of Facebook. Truly astonishing. Or look at Google with Alphabet and all its diversified interests. Or Elon Musk, who started from payments, in fact, in PayPal, and moved to SpaceX, Hyperloop and Tesla. While the jury is still out on all of them, he does certainly epitomize the concept of bold diversifications and changing ships well. Where you start does not determine where you end. Ultimately, your choice of route will be determined by the pressure that your defenses are under and the associated level of desperation, your access to resources and funding, or your visionary courage. The pandemic brings a new urgency and pressure to fight the digital battles more aggressively. The virus has entered largely on the side of the digital allies, and the incumbent is battling this war now on two fronts. Either way, this choice will set the scene for the future of your business and how it fares in the digital wars. The consequences of your choices will be one of four. Firstly, a hard process of re-engineering early to fight easily later with the greatest certainty of victory. Like America's military investing for dominance in all forms of assets to always have the advantage in all spheres of operations. Two, 
a slower process of change with vicious battles later and less likelihood of success. Like Britain, pre-World War II, who entered the World War ill-prepared and only innovated fast during the war to win with significant outside assistance. Or, three, no effort now in the expectation that there's no war only to be easily conquered later. Like the Russian invasion of the Ukraine or the Soviet invasion of its neighboring states, including Afghanistan. Or, item four, like France in World War II, to work hard to build the incorrect defenses that are then easily overrun, making the entire process futile. It's a lot like a family that is evolving, having to decide on options for their residence. Does it move out and extend? Does it stay and extend? She's only recommended if you accept a strong probability of divorce or a heart attack in the process. Does it sell and buy up? Does it rent and move into a smaller part of the home? Your decision criteria will vary based on circumstances. It's the same here. Your challenge, as always, will be ensuring that those that make the decision stay to see it through to execution. Hence, my aversion to listening to consultants or highly mobile employees in this manner. So choose wisely.